to episode 45 of the ATI podcast, a special edition today. Just want to start things off by explicitly mentioning that things are going to sound a little bit different today. Today, you've got Barrett here on the call as usual, but my co-host today for this episode is going to be our buddy Brandon, who you've heard routinely on the show, Brandon Stewart, aka Nod Narb. How are you doing today? I'm all right, brother. <laughs> I'm good. We got a special guest today. Yeah, today we're going to have a very special guest, of course, and that's Brother Me Softly, a.k.a. Slammer. <laughs> Brother Me Softly. <laughs> That's wonderful. So we're looking forward to having Slammer on the podcast here eventually on this episode, episode 45. But before we do that, we're going to do as we always do. And we're going to talk a little bit of uh, current events and, and what we have on the agenda and what's going on. Yeah, there's so many wonderful things going on so far yeah. this, or at, towards the end of the year. It's going good. So the end of the year, of course, is as our friend Brandon here mentioned, and we're in the holiday season. And what better way to spend the holiday season other than to talk about all these wonderful mass shootings that have went down since you've last heard from us. And so, of course, we're using some sarcasm here, but one of the biggest ones that we have to mention right out the gate, Brandon's old stomping grounds, Colorado. Mm -hmm. Colorado, the mass shooting that took place there at the LGBTQT plus club. And essentially, the gentleman that was involved in it, uh, I don't really know that the motivations have been totally revealed quite yet, but Anderson Lee Aldridge, young man who went into the nightclub and... Um, has has killed at least five people and injured as many as 19 or more others, is facing several counts, uh, you know, felony menacing, three counts of first degree kidnapping, and outside of just, you know, the, the deaths and the injuries, attempted attempted murder and things of that oak as well. So it's and an AR style weapon was used in handgun in this. Club Q is where this incident took place at. And to be fair, Barrett, uh, it's probably because they do not notice after 600 plus uh, mass shootings have happened this wonderful year. Yes, so it's been reported that well over 600 mass shootings have already taken place this year, which is just mind-boggling to believe that that's the case. God and guns. And that's according to Gun Violence Archive, which kind of keeps up with that, and it's a non-for-profit that uh, brings awareness to gun-related violence that's taken place. I will say, I don't know if anybody saw the mugshots of this fucking shitbag, quite frankly. They got arrested for these offenses and it looks like he got the hell beat out of him with some pumps and some other stuff and i know that there's a gentleman petty officer thomas james in the u.s navy he's a petty officer second class that was a part of apprehending and subduing the gunman at club q specifically in colorado springs so hats off to this guy in particular you know him and he was one of two men i believe that actually disarmed the shooter at the mass shooting so who knows how many lives that he in particular actually saved for sure yeah not all heroes wear capes and uh you know and, and in this case he's a 
a petty officer in the U.S. Navy. So, I, you know, I think I think it goes back. I mean, everybody knows our opinions at this point when it comes to guns and guns-related violence, I think, if you've been an avid listener to the show. There's just so much unnecessary stuff going on. You know, back when we had our podcast episode with PQ and as, as well as our episode with Skyler, we talked a lot on gun violence. You know, the Uvalde stuff happened at that time. We talked about it on our ATI podcast for President episode with Brandon on the call with us as well. There's just a lot of unnecessary stuff that's going on out there with gun violence, and I think a lot could be dissuaded. But when it comes to this situation in particular, Colorado has red flag laws. Mm -hmm. And I believe that those kind of went full force in about 2019. So we've talked about red flag laws on the show before, but kind of the basics of it is, it's a system in place that if somebody is being caught of, let's say, wrongdoing or that they're of mental harm to themselves or their loved ones, you know, it's kind of an umbrella uh, situation in the sense that, you know, if, if a person is guilty of doing one of these things, you can call the police and you can have that person disarm to prevent further things going on. Right. So with this guy in particular, where this applies is he was actually guilty of calling it a bomb threat previously. And the police chose not to exercise red flag laws to take his weapons away from him. I have since, I know myself, I listen to like NPR daily podcasts. A lot of those places, they tried to bring some kind of introspective, you know, kind of ground level studies. And I know that there was, there's apprehension, let's say, from a lot of police departments across the United States with these red flag laws. And this is not a conservative or Democrat talking point. No. Actually, the most successful place that is actually using red flag laws right now is Florida. Florida has deterred a lot of gun violence because they, and they put that in place at the Parkland shooting. Now, sadly, it took that to put that into place, but that passed overwhelming and it's largely a Republican state nowadays, as we all know. They've been using red flag laws. I think there was well over, uh, I don't recall the number now, but there was an astronomical amount of cases at which they used it in just the last year in and of itself that they believe that they deterred. It's kind of crazy whenever you think about, you know, Colorado, you don't necessarily think of it as a conservative state. I don't know in your time there, Brandon, have you ever got the feeling that it was quote unquote a conservative state? It surely has its pockets, right? It definitely has its pockets. Uh, I would say for sure down in the Springs, it's a little bit more uh, right. And I know in some of the country areas of it, Denver's hotbed for liberal ideal ideals. And there's there's quite a bit of liberal pockets everywhere. I mean, look what they gave us before, Lone Bobert. Right. So there's definitely those pockets out there of old cowboys that think that this is the same age as like well, let's just say it, it's the show Yellowstone. Everybody thinks that they're a badass, and it's it's just kind of sad. But I bring up these points though. I know I said it wasn't really a, a political thing, but people need to understand that while you have these people on different sides of the aisles politically, this is an issue that affects everybody. You know, it wasn't just Republicans or Democrats that you know unfortunately lose their lives in these situations. Innocent people that lose their lives. Colorado recently changed some of its laws too as it relates to hate crimes. And it doesn't take all the red tape that it used to, quite frankly, to pin a hate crime charge on somebody in Colorado specifically. Those are state-specific charges typically. In Colorado, this guy will probably get tagged with a hate crime. I say probably without question. But I think it's easy to assume that somebody goes into an LGBTQT plus club such as this one, and they're killing people in mass. There has to be some hate crime elements to it. Well, especially whenever your uh, your father is clearly on some kind of meth of some kind, and is uh, his first concern on the video or the interview that he did was that, oh God, thank God he wasn't gay. Right, not mentioning anything to do with the actual shooting itself. Exactly. Uh, but that really goes into the psyche of a what need what is now a mass shooter that you grow up with 
this guy in your head constantly. I'm assuming that he was around him enough in his life. He lived with him, from my understanding, or lived around him. Sure. But yeah, it really goes into the psyche of the first thing that you're concerned about is not all these people that are dead now. It's, God, he better not be gay. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty gross. What Brandon's referring to, there is a viral video going around. I can't recall which news organization actually got this clip. I want to say NPR, but I could be wrong. There's a viral video going around of this shooter's, Aldridge's father, who is just, the guy's, I mean, I hate to be like this, judge a book by its cover, but I've dealt with enough of them, quite frankly, to know one when I see one. The guy's clearly a meth head. He's got sores all over his face. He's missing teeth his mouth starting to protrude inward he is shifty eyed won't look at the camera look at people when he's talking to them hardly has a coherent thought or or idea you know he he speaks in in riddles almost you know i I think basically constantly in the video anybody who's seen the footage that's going around he's clearly not well and the man needs help but outside that his focus as brandon mentioned is whether or not his son was gay not the fact that he shot up a gay nightclub you know, and killed innocent people. His concern was, well, he's not gay. I don't know why he'd be there. Like as if that would create a reasonable doubt as to why he would even be inside the building. And he said, I, I think at some point, you know, it's kind of hard to even understand what he was saying. But I think at some point he, he said something like, I asked him if he was gay and he said he wasn't. You know, it's like, great. It doesn't excuse the fact that people were innocently slaughtered and killed. Yeah. Big focus on slaughtered for actually being around people that didn't judge them whatsoever or what I could imagine judge them because it was a gay nightclub. We've said it several times before, and this should be a normal response to this. The amount of pride you must have in yourself for going into a random place where nobody's effectively done anything to you with wanting to have sex with the same sex as them. What what would make any human being uh, that was of conscious mind like want to do something like so horrific? And this is why people are scared to go to school. I got got a seven-year-old. I'm still, what would it take for a fucking eight, nine, ten-year-old to go in and shoot a bunch of fucking kids? Right. I mean, it's happened, unfortunately. It's a real concern. And, And the very fact that a specific side is essentially stating, well, but you can't take away their guns. People have gay people within their whole families. Like, like, like I... I just can't. I mean, it's unexplainable, obviously. We've been talking about this shit for fucking 20 years now, I feel like. Oh, well over, yeah. It's just endless. Well, you know, the sad part, another talking point that we never really brought up, and I I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too hard, but, you know, when it comes to the right to bear arms and this defense that, oh, you can't take people's guns away, you have to think. There's so many laws and things that were written in the Constitution back in the day, while it had merit at the time, and there's obviously a very specific reason why they put it in there, we were facing tyranny from an outside force. The guns were not what guns are today. You know, you're talking about loading a fucking musket. The process to actually shoot and fire off to cause significant amounts of damage is nearly impossible by our even present day comprehension. There isn't mass shootings in 1770. Now, don't get me wrong, there's riots, there's massacres. And whatever version of a quote-unquote mass shooting would require multiple agents acting, multiple actors. But these situations that we're talking about, unfortunately, we've talked about way too routinely already on this show, is one person going in with a large magazine or a high-capacity rifle and, quite frankly, mowing down innocent people. I think there's there needs to be serious conversations, and we need to kick the special interests out of the room, Yep, the NRAs. 
those people that whisper in our ears to have these productive conversations and people not being brave and resting on the fact, well, my constituents, yes, yes, you should be an answer to your constituents, but what is the resolution? What are we doing? What are we, what are we coming to the table with solutions? Because just to say that there's a problem, but not offer a solution, you know, that is a part of the problem. Most definitely. And and the very idea that we can go through the same shit every single time where we, you're just trying to take away our guns. And then the other side is like, no, like, uh, you know, we, and, and they can overstretch too on their side of things because Beto said that one stupid ass fucking thing back in the, I believe it was 2016, whenever he was running for president at that time uh, for the democratic side. But, you know, we're not going to take all your guns, just a lot of them like that type of sh- that's the type of fucking comment that he made. Right. Not quoted. There's no conversation on either side. They're just standing still at what they've been saying. But their constituents have a real fucking problem with all of this bullshit. This is the reason why we get January 6th. People are trying to overthrow the fucking government and kill freaking politicians. Now they're scared. Politicians are. Right. As American people have been fucking scared for absolutely 20-something years. Even as, and not that I want to spend all day defending them, but even as a conservative politician, you have to think, you know, we saw, when we made fun of him, and we, of course, don't care for him, Josh Hawley in particular, how he ran. Those are people that were there in support of things that he's talked about publicly, ideologies and people that he supported. He ran from these people. So that tells you right there what they actually think of these people as well, that this is all a dog and pony show. And it's all just bullshit pandering that's been going on. But, you know, this isn't the only event that, you know, this Colorado shooting isn't the only event that took place here. Of course, uh, I know even when we got on the call today, Brandon, you mentioned to me the Idaho stabbing with four kids. Now that's a stabbing and it's not gun related violence, but nonetheless, it's out of college. There's no suspects so far. They still you know, are, are unable to find like what's going on with this. There's the other things that took place, the Chesapeake shooting at the Walmart. Yep. And it was a night shift lead. And I, th- I believe it was five people there that were murdered. It's just nonstop. He had a pistol with several magazines and was able to do that damage. There was the shooting at the University of Virginia as well. And they shot people coming back from a field trip. And there was football players that died on that. I mean, not to say that anybody's life is more important than others, but I think it got some prominent coverage just because of that. You know, the sports world even covered the shooting on account of that. But these things are happening so quickly. I say that to say this, just even in this last week, it's hard to keep up. It's hard to stay engaged with all the the facts and the particulars that's going on. And yes, I understand there's an element of people turn off the news. They don't pay attention to the news because, oh, that's that's hateful. That's all the bad things that's going on in the world. And I don't want to pollute my mind yeah. and my thoughts with that. You know, I do it myself sometimes. I have to, as a parent. I think for our own mental health, yeah. I, I think it's it's so diluted now that they'll forget about everything that's happened within these last two weeks. All of these things happened. Last two weeks. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Like, this is not, it, it's unbelievable. It's just all this shit keeps on happening and you're like, well, I'm just gonna, and I understand that people have to turn it off. Like I said, I have to turn it off sometimes too, but. In my personal opinion, we have a certain duty within ourselves in this country to raise these fucking issues up and vote local. We've talked about this before. Vote local. Vote these pieces of shit that do not give a fuck about you out of office. They do not care. To stand by idly and not do anything, you know, is disheartening enough as it is. And we have to also think, 
you know, and the reason we hammered in on the, you know, Colorado thing, I think it's safe to say it's a little bit closer to home for us. You know, it's an area that I travel to frequently. Brandon lived there for quite some period of time as well. And so whenever things like that happen in your backyard, it's hits a little bit closer to home mm-hmm. and impacts the people that you know and loved ones and things of that ilk. But, you know, again, it, we're talking about trans people, gay people, you know, queer people, just uncalled for violence. And, you know, this even comes on the heels of recent reports, you know, about trans medical care being denied to people in conservative states such as Texas and Florida. And those people are fleeing those states right. on account of the prejudice and the bigotry and, and things like that that they're facing, you know, and, and it's government, it's government sponsored hate is what it is. Well, and for sure, whenever you have somebody, I remember now we had talked about this before, such as Mike Pence, he's still speaking poorly of gay people. There was a mass shooting at a nightclub, and this guy is still spewing how it's evil to even be gay, and like, what the fuck is wrong? And by the way, Mike Pence, we know you like that plump ass boy. We know you like, you. we know that you have a silicone ass with some balls hanging on it. It's fine, bro. You just like to fuck dudes. It's cool. Mother doesn't want to suck your dick anymore because she's too <laughs> diddling the fucking kids. It's no big deal. You went a different route than I thought you were going to go with that. You know, I thought you were going to allude to the Hank Hill, uh, King of the Hill episode where he had to get the prosthetic ass because every time <laughs> he drove his lawnmower, it hurt his back. Yeah. So he had to get a fake ass and everybody was commenting on his well, posterior. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Look at fucking, I mean, Mike Pence, you're going to try and run for president in 2024. You're still down for conversion therapy. You're still down for constantly berating people that don't like to suck your dick. It's not that big of a fucking deal. Find your own gay community, man, and stop spilling all this goddamn hate. Right. Fuck you. And uh, It's so fucking insane. The year is 2022, about to be 2023, and these are still conversations that we have to have. It's pathetic, quite frankly. In other news, as far as current events are concerned, I'm sure that a lot of folks have seen and it's impacted their lives directly, and that's Biden extending the student debt relief pausing until June 30th of 2023. And people might wonder, well, why such a long span of time? You know, we're talking seven months plus. And there's a lot of legal proceedings that are taking place right now. Federal judge returned Biden's executive decision to forgive what student debt there was here recently. So they are actually in the process, the Biden administration, with employing the services of the AG, are actually prosecuting that. And so that length of time as a window at which that they're trying to create. And by de facto, depending on what happens first, either that debt relief is going to be extended, or at least that pause is going to be extended until then, regardless of the outcome of that court case. Or if they're successful in that court case, then if that's you know prior to that date, then they will forgive that that debt amount that they originally set out to do. So uh, that's kind of the idea idea there if people are wondering why they're doing it for that length of time and why that date in particular might seem strange. And that's the reason for that. And it's because people don't want to help people out with with college. Yeah, like the, the only complaint that I, like I hear two different complaints, all right? The opposition to this is number one, well, what about the loan organizations? I don't give a fuck who you are. Who gives, who cares? They have the student loan organizations have been one of the most predatory organizations, period, to date. Yep. And all of these shit that they do, especially if you get a quote unquote government loan, 
that they sell those out to individual proprietors that compound your interest or mark up your interest or sell it off to another debtor. Like, it's just crazy. We can even just get into the specifics of the socioeconomics of college life in general. Textbooks. Yeah. Within two years, you can't use the same textbook. You can't sell it back for even 25% what you paid for it used, mind you. You know, there's a whole racket that's taking place here that is affecting people. And it's to discourage people to keep them from getting educated, quite frankly, and to be stupid sheep across America. This this is the real sheeple conversation that we need to have. Right. This is the real class. This class warfare is the real oppression that's going on right now. And it's been so subtle that people don't bring it up. Well, in our generation, for sure, can almost guarantee anybody that's my age was told, hey, if you want to make it in the real world, you got to get a college education. Got to do this. Got to do that. And the older generation kept on fucking telling us that shit. The school system took advantage of that. And they were like, "Absolutely, oh, all these kids think that they got to go to school. So in order to go to school, what we're going to do is fucking milk them for all they have. Unless they get a scholarship. And even then they're, I mean, most people are not getting full ride scholarships. I can tell you that. Well, I think Gen Z's caught on to this. I know I saw in recent in reports in the last few years was that uh, college enlistment was actually starting to go down and enlistments to things like trade schools and certificate programs and straight to work programs and things of that ilk are actually blooming a little bit more so. For example, I have a brother-in-law that's going to a lineman school right now in Tennessee, and that's all they do is they churn out electrical linemen, electrical engineering people. And that they put people, they place people at work, you know, almost day of graduation. They have people scouting them because they're getting trained properly. They're spending their time in school specifically focused on their trade and not all these extracurriculars and things that you have to go through with college, even to get a degree. Like, for example, me as a business major, I still had to take electives. I had to take, you know, things like, and I'm not complaining because I enjoyed it, but classes like Spanish, for example, it's like, I'm probably not going to use Spanish in my lifetime, or at least not nearly as much as some other folks will. It's certainly not yeah. my kids' generation, that is. And that, and that might be a bad example, but that's one thing, you know, you would think as a business major that that's not an elective that you would need to take. But, you know, it's just the whole the whole college system is a racket, and uh, I don't feel bad for the loan companies. And then the other argument, before I forget to make this point, is what about the people that's already paid their debt? Well, yes. I if I if that was me, I would feel slighted, I would feel jilted or whatever. And you know what you do in those situations? You do some advocacy then. Yep. You know, you go to your Congress people, your representatives, whoever they may be, whether it's on the state, the federal level, whatever the case is. This is where you go, okay, well, that's great that this happened for these people and not not to take anything away from them, but what about those of us who have done this? What about tax breaks or whatever the case is? You know, there's you can do some political advocacy then. For sure, sit back and fucking complain and be worried about somebody else getting something that you didn't get and just piss it and moan. Uh, So, so my thing on that argument is you're complaining that somebody's being helped, and so, so you must be, so you must be an atheist or agnostic like I am, and not believe in any of this religious uh, stuff that's out there, right? So, how do you justify what you're saying to not help people? Right. Doesn't matter what religion you're a part of. Pretty sure most of them tell you to help people. And I definitely don't think anybody's God is going to tell them to be envious of somebody else and what they have. So just remember that everything that you're feeling about people being helped, you're fucking batshit. Like, 
Unbelievable. The fact that people look down on others for getting help is just so beyond me. Now, again, we've talked about on the show of people being in certain situations that they've taken advantage of help. Well, that's a per case thing, you know, like that doesn't, that's not indicative of the overall. We're talking about a fraction of a fraction of people. So we really can't, you know, don't get me wrong. Hey man, you're talking to two of the most jaded dudes in the world and we're here advocating common sense and care. You know, right. you know, so take take that into consideration as well in this conversation today. Other big current event thing I wanted to bring up too is the fact that Iran is calling for a 10-game uh, suspension of the U.S. and to be kicked out of the World Cup tournament because they, quote-unquote, disgraced their flag, distorted their flag. And, of course, some of us might have recently seen the fact that the U.S. did a display of solidarity for the Iranian people right now who are in protests. That basically all go back to, if you've seen those movements on social media where women are shaving their head and that sort of thing, this is a movement that's still going on. Fuck yeah, it is. And a lot of it has to do with Sharia law and some of these Islamic cultures, extreme cultures, if you will, that are implementing their religion over their government agency and practices and extremely conservative movements in these countries where women don't have the rights that you and I have. And again, we're talking about countries that don't have our right, the same rights as well, but this is a humanitarian issue. And so the U.S. proudly displayed the Iranian flag in solidarity of those protesters and the government of Iran and the Iranian soccer team, which is kind of, you know, I think some folks, perhaps if you're old enough, might remember the USSR days and back in the 80s, whenever, you know, the Miracle on Ice and that sort of stuff, where they would actually like, champion their sports teams as an emblem or a a deity of their society like they were indicative of like oh this is who we are and then this is what our greatness is and so on and so forth like they were the poster childs of what their country is and so i think that that's you need to understand that dynamic and that's what's going on here with iran in particular is they as a soccer team regardless of whether or not they feel like that they are basically being used as pawns in a political world affair situation, essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. to have the standing in this stance. Yeah. And and for me, honestly, if you're one of those individuals that's like, not my country, not my problem, then we can look past, we're not going to look past all that shit that happened before with your generations where you're like, let's fuck with everybody's country. Let's go into everybody's fucking country and just police the fucking world. Right. Because the people of Iran are being persecuted beaten and killed in the streets. And if you believe in, again, whatever religion you believe in, I think the majority of religions out there would not be okay with the idea that somebody's being beaten alive because of basic human rights. People don't really understand the freedoms that we have here in this country because, you know, like myself, I know, Brandon, you've had some experiences outside of the United States, the continental United States. So you've seen things a little bit differently than the rest of us on a ground level. But people really don't realize what it's like in other countries and how privileged we are in this United States, which strangely enough is a lot of the argument that, you know, you hear that conversation, that talk, that talking point, that launching point for conversations and ideas from conservative movements. Yes, we are a privileged nation. And yes, we do have it better than a lot of other people. And yes, we do love this country. Certainly. Yes. You can also love this country and it not be perfect. You can love this country and it need improvement. You can love this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, you can also wish for the best and well-being of others. And this even gets back to our student loan talk. You know, we're wishing for the best and well-being of the people of Iran. And I think, you know, we would all go a lot further in life if we show a little 
humanity. That's all it is. You don't even have to make it your cause. We're not here to tell the rest of the world, you guys should be thinking about these causes. I think it. there is a certain moral obligation as a human being that makes it go there. But that's just my personal opinion. You know, there's still bigotry in Italy. We, they elected a freaking, you know, anti-Jewish human being there that fucking hates the outside world and the world around them. It's us who put these people in power. It's not them. So at the end of the day, we had to take some personal accountability. Yes. And you can't forget about it. And I think showing a little humanity is going to bring us up nicely to our guest that we have today, and that's Slammer. Slammer is a professional wrestling actually from the Mineral area originally. I believe he graduated from Central High School. And so a lot of folks will know him in the Park Hills area, uh, may recognize him from his UPS driving. But Slammer is going to be on our show today, and I think we're gonna, there's going to be some provocative uh, conversation had with him with regards to the reasons that he's doing it and trying to put some good out in the world and to be a role model and example for people. So we thank you all for tuning in today and stick around with us after the break for episode 45, Slammer. Welcome back to the ATI Podcast, episode 45. Barrett, your usual host here. I've got Brandon, a.k.a. Nod Narb, here in the co-pilot seat today. Josh is uh, on a family gathering today with our very special guest, Slammer, a professional wrestler. Slammer, how are you doing today, sir? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. Real good. Real good. Thank you for doing the show. Hey, you're welcome. Slammer, we just kind of wanted to start the conversation off today, as we do with most of our guests, and kind of talk about how and when did you get into professional wrestling? What drew you to professional professional wrestling initially and uh, let's start things there man i'm i would just like everybody else just a lifelong fan huge wwf fan as a little kid as you probably know big big hulk hogan fan if anybody asks me what i want to do when i grow up i want to be a professional wrestler that's that's that you know and uh yeah what what, what would you say that maybe initially too is there like a first match that you saw that sparked really set the hook in you for being a fan and wanting to pursue this as a career there i wouldn't say there's necessarily a match just you know we watched world-class championship wrestling when i was a little kid and watching von erickson all that it, it was just like i guess that really what sparked it all and then it was just one day i just flipped Flip the channel to WWF superstars, and those guys are just big and over the top. And I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> this is great!" So I would I would say that's the whole spark right there. And as you can as you can tell by the room behind me, this is a life life collection of toys and wrestling stuff. And just I just 
Love it. <laughs> when it comes to world class, of course, that was a very popular promotion, basically based out of Texas and the Von Erics you mentioned. So anybody that's listening to our show and they're wondering what world class is, Von Erics were basically the family that ran the promotion. They were the megastars of the promotion, you know, had some pretty heated rivalries, particularly with the Freebirds. So if anybody wants to go back and look at anything involving the Von Erics, uh, there's also more recently in media, Dark Side of the Ring did an episode on the Von Erics, and I highly recommend that. It's highly emotional. And even that, they're making a movie about the Von Erich family. And I was just about to say, yeah. Yep. An A24 production with Zac Efron in it. Uh, the kid from, um, what's the show called? The Bear or something like that? The cooking show on FX? Well, I mean, Zac Efron's been in a lot of stuff. I mean, most notably, obviously, Baywatch. I mean, yeah, right. That's the number one thing that everybody would know about. <laughs> high School Musical, maybe. I was going to say High School Musical. I've got a daughter that was a High School Musical junkie, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely had its huge fandom and, and following. But yeah, so definitely want to, anybody who hasn't checked them out, they're worthwhile if you guys are pro wrestling fans. I would imagine, Slammer, that you grew up kind of in the boom of the WWF too, as it kind of started its global expansion as well, buying out the territories essentially yep. in short or suffocating them out, quite frankly. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So stuff, stuff we really never knew when we were kids watching it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know all that behind the scenes stuff back in the day, whenever you were a kid, but now nope. nowadays there's so much media out there, podcasts we were talking about before we got on the show today. There's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there. There's a lot of documentaries, even, you know, the dark side tales from the territories. So vice is a program, a network that I watch a lot. Lot personally, you know, I have a lot of interesting programming centered around professional wrestling in and of itself, too. So, but back to you, Slammer WWF early fandom. I know a lot of us that's what we all recognize as professional wrestling, or at least we've seen it by accident at the very least. Yep. And I know that you know, you had mentioned Hulk Hogan being a fan of him. Was there anybody else in your younger years that you really drew yourself to? You know, in looking at some of your memorabilia, I've seen things like Macho Man, I've seen stuff yep. with Razor Ramon, I've seen Ultimate Warrior, any of those guys in particular? You just struck the top three, Hogan, Warrior, Macho Man. That's the top three. Right 100%. Any, anybody 90s, man. I loved Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. I love the Bushwhackers. I'm friends with Bushwhacker Luke. And okay. that's just cool to, you know, somebody that you've watched your whole life actually get to become a friend with him. And of course, all the crazy 90s stuff, Nash Hall, you know, Stone Cold, Rock. Mick Foley, all those guys. Absolutely. I, I don't. I I honestly don't know of a wrestler that I really just don't like. <laughs> well, the '90s was, of course, the I would consider the boom just because it was a perfect timing of everything. Kind of some of the counterculture things that were going on in the '90s. Television and cable expansion. You know, the WWE starts to be the lead dog, but WCW had that 83 weeks of them being number one in television as well. So there was some competition. The only real competition, quite frankly, the WWE. F now WWE ever really had for any significant amount of time. I, I recall watching the very first match that I watched from start to finish, that is, would be Scott Hall, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 10 ladder match. Mm -hmm. That's That definitely was like, I need to watch this routinely going forward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, it's an incredible match still yet holds up today. Yeah. If anybody would even watch that. I know Brandon here, he had, he didn't get much of an experience with wrestling, but we're on a mission to expose him to some professional wrestling. So we have a little program called Nobnard's Closet, at which I am picking out matches, whether they're good, bad, or different, some of the more infamously bad as well. And showing them to Brandon so he understands kind of what's out there in the wrestling world. I never really got exposed to it much whatsoever because none of my family ever watched it. But yeah, there's a little bit of hilarity 
uh, over on that that side of things. And I think we're going to be doing another one here soon. But yeah, it's definitely eye opening, and especially with like Dark Side of the Ring that you get to see that type of stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and Dark Side of the Ring is another thing that I've gotten Brandon into. Of course, he's we're both movie and film buffs, TV junkies to an extent, and for sure, Dark Side of the Ring, of course, has kind of a true crime element to it too, and that's another thing that we have interest in too. But you know, it's kind of interesting to see it through Brandon's eyes though too. And this is where I'm going to pivot back into you, Slammer, is he's seeing this stuff for the first time, and I know that I see a lot across your social media the impressions that you have on young people signing autographs and that sort of stuff. You know, I. I think you're starting to be the beginning of people's fandom as well. Is that kind of some of the experiences that you're having? It it, it really is. Uh, it's one of those things you just n- never really see happening. And then once it starts happening, it's like, it's, it's crazy when little kids are just super excited to see you. They get the shirt, you know, and I just pass, pass it along. Just like Hulk Hogan said, you know, that's my thing, you know, train, same of hers, eat my vitamins. I did that for life, literally. And, yeah. you know, I'm just, trying to be a positive role model on people. That's what this is all about. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's good. The world needs more positivity for sure. Oh God. Yeah. When it comes to wrestling in particular too, you know, especially we could go back to the nineties. There's a lot of controversial things that happened. And I think the role model aspect kind of fell off the the bandwagon for some of the folks and to keep those things in perspective. But you know, I, I would imagine that that kind of helps put wind in your sails too. being a guy that's working the indie circuit in particular. It's kind of motivating you to keep going, even at times that you're a little beaten, banged up. I know like today, you're, you just had a match last night and feeling a little rough today, perhaps. My neck's a little tight today. <laughs> the match that you had last night, was that a multi-man elimination tag kind of in spirit yeah. of sur- the old Survivor Series style? It was the exact thing, you know, a four-on-four Survivor Series style match. and. I was one of the survivors. We won. There you go. Three of us. Three of the four of us survived. So, yeah. Nice. Now, that was through Cape Championship Wrestling, right? That's Cape Championship Wrestling, yep. And I know that you do a lot with that promotion in particular, and I know Cape Championship Wrestling has events going on quite frequently. Tell me what it's like to work in that organization. If it wasn't for Cape, I would I would probably not even be doing this at all. It was just, uh, you know... That part of my life where I was like, well, I guess the whole wrestling thing just isn't going to happen. It's taken a long time. And I won some tickets to Cape Championship Wrestling, I guess, that the, in 2017. And they had pretty much been an upstart organization at this time. I got on Facebook. I won some tickets. Matt Hardy was down there. And I was like, cool, you know, I'll go down there and see Matt Hardy, get a picture, watch some wrestling. Yeah. Then they had a couple of other events that I went to. I think Billy Gunn was down there at one of them. And they had Jeff Hardy come in and do one of his concerts down there. And I got to know the guys running the show down there. And I was like, man, it'd be cool if you guys had some sort of a training or something. You know, I'd done some stuff. but And they said, well, you know, we'll keep you posted. And then they decided to start their own training thing in 2018. And I w- I've been with them from the beginning of that. That's cool. So what, four years later, I'm still down there and we're going strong. I wasn't even aware that they had a trading piece to their stuff, but it makes sense, especially if you're going to be a promotion nowadays. It's kind of cycling in talent for you to work to work with and work, quite frankly, for you. And uh, I think everybody wins in those scenarios. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Especially in a regional promotion like that. And I will plug this if you don't care. Cape actually has their new training facility in uh, Sykeston at the Bar Fitness, they're, they've got a ring. Brandon Barbwire is the head trainer down there. So 
If anybody's interested in becoming a professional wrestler, contact Cape Championship Wrestling through their Facebook page, send them a message, tell me you want to be a wrestler, and they'll give you the information. Is Brandon Barbwire a part of the collective that trained you or who trained you? Yeah, yeah. He he's he's down there. He's the he's the head trainer down there. Him, Justin Smart, Dalton Anthony, those guys are all, you know, Marco Stunt, he's part of it. So he was down in AEW and now he he his he had started in CCW and all around the right. Midwest. But yeah, since he's been back from AEW, he's helping out a lot down at CCW. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I remember that he was heavily involved in it prior to getting signed to yep. AEW, and his contract expired, I think. And and I hadn't seen he was doing too much since. But I was he not at your event last night? He, I believe, he was sick. So yeah, he 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 actually wasn't there. Okay, I got you. Well, you know, with Cape Championship Wrestling too, I know that that probably has provided you other opportunities to work elsewhere. Before we get to that, I didn't want to overlook the fact that you had made a mention of having some previous experiences. And uh, I know that you did kind of a flashback photo the other day, and I saw that you were a wrestler at Central High School. Is that correct? Some amateur stuff? Yeah, I I wrestled in high school. I was okay. I mean, nothing. I won some, I lost some. Okay, wrestler. My senior year, I ended up breaking my ribs in a match. and Oh, man. Yeah, so that was like right in the, gosh, I don't even, the first month of the season, I Felt pretty good that season two, and it was one of those freak accident, freak accidents. Dude just landed on top of me so hard, and all it takes is hitting just right, and somebody landing on you just right. Yeah, it hurt, boy. I remember that pain really well. <laughs> had you had any other training involving wrestling between this amateur experience and up until you went and trained with the C- uh, the Cape Championship Wrestling guys, the CCW guys? Yeah, I had a. If you want, if you want the long story, I'll try to sum it up as quick as I can. I'll give you kind of the whole, the whole history. Let's hear it. So all, I, all I want to do is be a wrestler, and this will kind of give you an idea of how the name Slammer came along. There, if you, if you remember back in the days before internet, there used to be these things called wrestling magazines. Yes, sir. <laughs> so anyway, you could not find wrestling schools anywhere back in the day. I mean, you might see some stuff in wrestling magazines. There was a school in. Uh, California called Slammer's Wrestling Gym. So I started writing them letters and stuff when I was a kid. And I was like, I want to come there one day, you know, and the head trainer, Vern Langdon, he was uh, always writing me back. He sent me a couple t-shirts, you know, hope, hope I can come out there one day. Well, anyway, uh, 1996, I actually went out to see Slammer's Wrestling Gym so I got to meet him. I got to go to a show, but nothing materialized. I, I still don't have I still don't have an answer for you why nothing ever happened, but <laughs> nothing ever did. So in '97, there was a guy down in Jackson, Missouri, named Dan Burdick, and he uh, ran some shows around Missouri. And he was a friend uh, a friend of a guy here in Farmington that was a wrestler, Scott Hastings. He has a Hastings photography. I don't yeah. know if you know him or not, but Scott was a wrestler. And I knew him from Better Bodies Gym, and Scott began to tell me about Dan and hooked me up with him, and I go to some of the shows with him and stuff. And I was going to start going down to Jackson, which isn't very far from here. I was going to go down there and train with him. And then he told me that they were moving back to Minnesota for his wife to have a job. And I was like, oh. And he had uh, trained like Demolition Smash and some other guys from up in Minnesota and all this. Minnesota Wrecking Crew, infamous. Minnesota Wrecking Crew. So anyway, 97, 
was a was this this was all kind of strange too because they had moved to Minnesota and I he's like if you want to come up there and train you know come up and I was like okay and I decided to that I was going to go up there and my dad was actually in St. Louis University waiting on a heart transplant so I told everybody, Hey, I'm going to Minnesota to become a wrestler. <laughs> so anyway, I left for a couple of weeks after a couple of weeks, I just, I was a mental case. and <laughs> I was just like, I want to go imagine. home. So I went home, you know, and I was like, you know, maybe one day something will come up. So I think it was like 2002 ish, I guess. 2001, 2002, uh, a guy named Chris Epps, he went by the name of L.A. Cash on the Independence. He opened a gym up in Farmington called Iron Horse Gym. And my mom said, hey, I've seen that there's a guy has a wrestling ring over here in Farmington. Like, wants to get you a membership there. And I, I was like, sure, why not? You know, so I started to work out there and started training with him in his ring. And we just, you know, would do some stuff every night for a while. And then next thing I know, he moved away and then ended up in Florida. So it was like kind of one of those things like, dang, I maybe, maybe wrestling will work out one day. I don't know. Then 2003 came along, you know, I, of course, me and my wife are married. I've got a daughter now. So I'm looking at my career. I got on at UPS in 2003, which I've worked till at till now. So. Uh, you know, UPS takes up a lot of time. A lot of time. So I'm sure there's really, there was really nothing going on with wrestling. I opened my gym up in 2009. I had the max gym from 2009 to 2016. And right after we decided to close the gym in 2016, some, a guy named Brian, I opened a lightning pro wrestling, wrestling training place in Potosi. And oh, I kind of caught, oh, man. I kind of caught wind off that, and I literally just liked their page. And by the next morning, I had a message from him asking me. So he's like, "I've been going through your stuff. I see, you know, like a picture of you and Hulk Hogan." He's like, "Are you just a fan? You want to be a wrestler?" And I was like, "Well, I'd love to wrestle." And he's like, "Won't you come on out?" So I went out there, and I mean, at first it worked out. I mean, we were training, you know, but then it just kind of got kind of away from that but anyway we did start holding like some monthly events it was in potosi on high street right above tight bodies fitness there was a big room there we had a wrestling ring in there and we would just have like free shows for people to come down there to watch and we were like getting like 60 70 people in this little building watching us wrestle so that's cool i think i had a total of probably 10 matches there and i was the I was the champion before he wanted his belt back. And I don't know what really happened after that, but that was kind of the end of that in 2017. And then like literally several months later, they had a, I got those tickets to CCW. Uh, I did a wrestling seminar with Jerry Lynn at CCW. He came in and did a wrestling seminar and I just did that just out of the blue. Cause I just wanted to do anything that I could to learn something, you know, so anyway, it wasn't long after that, then CCW started up. So that's kind of your history of, and yeah. that's, that's where the name Slammer came from. Slammer, I just had always wanted to be, you know, Chris Slammer, you know, kind of my paying homage to Slammer's wrestling gym because sure they 
cared enough about me to write me back. And I'll just always remember Vernon Slammers Wrestling Gym. Jerry Lynn is another great worker. So like, oh, he's awesome. You know, if you had an opportunity to go to one of his seminars, a few better learning trees to sit under as far as I'm concerned, Yep. especially workers in the last 30 years or so. A crucial part of what AEW is doing today, if anybody watches AEW, he's a huge behind the scenes guy, huge producer for it. He's often on camera breaking stuff up. He's a judge in a lot of wrestling matches that require judges, things of that ilk. So another great guy, another guy. Guy to check out if you guys have never seen professional wrestling he's a guy that will get you into it for sure especially when he was mr jl in wcw yes sir <laughs> brief stint in wcw with that and speaking of gimmicks i just want to talk to you kind of about your gimmick and what your get up i think i think i see a lot of homages to characters like hulk hogan am i far off with that kind of what's the idea of your character and how are you working to build that on social media well for the for the most part, any, anybody always says they like my gimmick. I'm always like, what gimmick? That's just that's that's just me. You know, I just I am I am the guy that walks <laughs> around all day long. What what you gonna do, brother? I like the idea of that. Not to cut you off, but I like the idea of that of you talking to your wife and child like that. Hey, what you gonna do, brother? Every every day, I I, I call my <laughs> wife brother all the time, and she just looks at me. And carries on. Hey, we she's literally known me. We've known each other. Forever, we've been married twenty three years, almost. Or oh gosh, ninety eight to two. I'm sorry, we've been married twenty four years. Anyway, that's we've known each other since high school. It's like she just she just thinks it's funny and great. Sure. <laughs> And uh, kudos to you for staying with somebody for that long. That's a rare rarity this day and age. For it, sure. it really is. And you know the whole the whole Hogan thing that come along with my care. I really didn't know what I was going to. I was just going to be Chris Slammer. I didn't really know how anything was going to work out. And after about a year of going down to CCW, you know, we setting up the ring, working with the shows, doing whatever they needed us to do. After about a year, we had a big uh, one night riot event. And that's basically a Royal Rumble match, you know, however many people enter in all these times. And the month before that, I was getting ready to leave and Jason the Booker said, hey, I'm going to have you in the uh, one night riot next month. I was like, OK. And I'm just like, all right, man, Chris Slammer, you know, yeah, it's like, OK. And I had no idea what was going to happen with all this. And he just had an idea. He's like, do you have anything kind of. And I didn't have my gear or anything. I had some stuff ordered, but it still wasn't even in. I kept waiting. He's like, you got anything kind of early 90s Hogan looking? I'm like, you mean like this? And it's a tie-dyed Hulkamania shirt. He's like, perfect, wear that. So that's how the whole I gotcha. slammer, slammer mania started up. I just, it, you know, my, my my first big thing, you know, Baracus out of St. Louis. Yes. Big, big guy. It was just me and him facing off in the middle of this thing. And it was kind of like a whole Andre Hogan type thing. And the whole Slammer Mania thing, you know, Hogan inspired, you know, it's just kind of caught on. And, you know, I try to stay true to that, but I also want to be me as well, you know, for sure. Yeah. So if, yeah, it's funny when somebody's like, you Hulk Hogan ripoff. I'm like, I don't even look like him. <laughs> right, <laughs> I, right, right. I, I just I just adhere to the training prayers and vitamins. I'm just trying to pass it along. <laughs> 
Well, it's funny that we, you know, we're on the Hulk Hogan subject. I know you're a fan and everything. We've already mentioned that. But, you know, as far as the aesthetic, like I'd say the closest thing you are, though, it would be kind of the Hollywood Hulk Hogan. But that has a lot to do with the black and white implementations, of course. But also, I I mean, are you working a lot of heel style matches? Are you working babyface? Are you doing both? 99% babyface. That's just me. I'm just, that's just kind of just me in general. It's, but, you know. Uh, when I did my first match at MMWA up in St. Louis, uh, a little over about a year and a half ago, that up at the Broadway Club, I just went there to watch the matches that night. And I'm friends with one of the guys that wrestles up there, and he told me he's like, "Hey, always bring your stuff," you know. And I'm like, "Oh, of course, Absolutely. you know." So I went there. Me and a friend went up there to watch, and I just hear the guys that run the show, you know, Hey, Slimmer, come over here. So I basically had a sit down interview with Anthony Castaldi and they just literally talked to me and give me an interview. And they're like, you want to wrestle tonight? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, you know, you got a 15 minute Broadway with CJ shine. I was like, okay. But CJ's one of the top baby faces there. So you got a baby face, baby face match. And by default, by de facto, I'm getting booed out of the building when I went out there. So I just went with it, and I good did. I I don't tip. It. I didn't even know I had the hill in me. And my buddy was sitting there. He's like, "Man, that's some of the best stuff I've ever seen in my life." And I was like, "Well, cool." <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah, I'm glad it worked it's out. Validation. <laughs> so yeah, there's been a few places I've gone, you know, where nobody's known me. If they're you know booing or whatever, yeah. I'll, I, I don't mind to be a heel at all. I've I've heard a lot of people, you know, that's always kind of a, a huge piece of conversation with people in the wrestling business is whether they prefer to work heel or baby face. And, you know, I think a lot of it does have to do with the character, what your moveset is and that sort of stuff. And just largely what your experiences are. How routinely are you working each style? And obviously there's a different psychology that goes behind each implementation. You know, if you're going to work as a, as a heel, it's pretty common, you know, in those instances, you're going to be a little bit more aggressive, maybe pick apart a body part in particular. Maybe you're going to do things, you know, whatever it takes to win, even if that's a little bit of uh, cheating, to put it simply. But, you know, as a baby safe face, obviously, you typically do things above board. Have you noticed that whenever you've had those situations present themselves, whenever you say you went with it as a heel, did you implement some of the kind of the more traditional heel things, heelish things, you know, beg off the crowd and, and, oh, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. cheat to win that sort of stuff. I can't really say that I did anything to cheat to win. The only horrible thing that I've done is pretty much when I uh, turned on Benjamin trust at the last blood, sweat and beers pro wrestling epic here a few weeks ago. That's the, that's the first big turn that I've really ever done on somebody. So kind of okay. felt kind of felt pretty good. I thought you were gonna say that you punched a baby in the face. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I've kind of done something a little bit bad. I punched a little baby. I just I just, I just choke slammed a little baby in its cart. Yeah, it's no big deal. I mean it's paralyzed now, but no big deal. Yeah. They're not coming after the promotion or anything. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a part of wrestling. That's what we yeah, do. That's the name of the game. Your kids are forfeit. <laughs> it, was, it, it was a working baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <A> working baby. <laughs> it was one of the many weapons that were there that day. <laughs> so you mentioned the name Benjamin.
Benjamin Trust. Benjamin Trust is going to be a guest on the ATI podcast here in a couple of weeks. And I know that you guys have had a few interactions in the business already. I, I would guess by your phraseology here that you guys have worked as partners or tag team partners in the past and you quote unquote turned on him here recently. Tell us a little bit more about that backstory. Well, let's see. We had our first match against each other at Pro Wrestling Epic back let's see, up in Alton. We did a we had a one on one match and pretty pretty good match. It was the called Slam Wars. So he actually he he won. He's a winner. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> then we had a tag team match at the same place, and we uh, we won. Good for us. And now we're probably going to have match number three. So now you're going to get to see a little bit of Hollywood Slammer come out to the next pro wrestling epic. There you go. I'd so. pay good money for that if I wasn't all the way in Texas. <laughs> Yeah, Brandon's got the uh, unfortunate benefit of being quite the distance from us, but uh, I know whenever Brandon gets back, we're going to take up take up some opportunities to get him a little bit more pro wrestling exposure for sure. Oh, I, there's plenty of it to go see too. Yeah, I would love it. You know, I know Cape Championship Wrestling, you've done a lot of work there. Let's talk about some of the other promotions that you work for. I know New Breed Wrestling in particular, you're the TV champ there, is that correct? I am the TV champ, the current TV champ, I guess 264. Five two hundred sixty eight days, something like that. Now, tell me how that works with New Breed uh, Wrestling being a TV champ, because kind of that phraseology, that that title, and mm-hmm. years of old, you know, guys that have been fans of the business thirty plus years will remember TV championships and other prior promotions, and that's something that's defended. You know, it has that phraseology, that terminology for a reason, and it's defended on TV all the time. Mm-hmm. Are they broadcasting these over YouTube, live Twitch, something like that? Is is that kind of the idea? Yeah, uh, New Breed is based out of Eldon, up around, it's around Lake of the Ozarks. Okay, and we are actually on TV on Saturday nights in that area. Very cool. I don't know how much ground it covers up there. But we do have uh, an hour show that's on every week up there, and they just put together some of the matches from like the previous event. So whatever, like last night, there was probably three matches from our last event. So each week there's about three matches that make up that show. And then you can go on YouTube, and those matches are on YouTube. So the show the, the show that's on TV is on YouTube as well. But it is actually on TV. So if somebody's flipping through their channels at 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday night up in that area, they will run across New Breed Wrestling. So, yeah, I actually do defend the television title on television. <laughs> nice. Well, it makes all the sense in the world because otherwise, I don't know that it makes a lot of sense for a promotion to have a TV title. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Well, I would love to believe that it's actually the TV title on radio. On radio, yeah. Uh, just, yeah, <laughs> just on radio the entire time. That would be perfect. The radio title. That would be interesting, a radio title. I'm sure that, you know, TV's only been around for so long. I think predominantly uh, wrestling wasn't even in TV markets until like the 50s in some cases. I think there's broadcasts as early as the 40s in some case, like Chicago, I think, technically has the earliest broadcast. It might have been late 30s. I think it was like early 40s. I can't remember now. But nonetheless, 
TV broadcasts, obviously, is something that's a little bit more recent in pro wrestling history because a lot of folks don't realize this, too, when it comes to the history of professional wrestling, is that uh, Abraham Lincoln, one of our former presidents, was a professional wrestler. Yeah. You know, it's something that the boys did in camps and things of that ilk to entertain themselves. Go away. Yeah, absolutely. They just, presidents would just beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> in the middle of the forest with a couple of wooden planks. Just smashing the shit over their heads. (laughs) (laughs) Cannonballs involved. It reminds me of, you know, in the 90s, of course, I was a huge professional wrestling fan. You know, that's a lot of my preteen years and that sort of thing. And WWF was hitting it hot as well as WCW at the time. It was the middle of the Monday Night Wars. And our school was actually building a new gymnasium. It was called Project Acorn was this thing. The concept was, you know, you plant a nut, the tree blooms, and and so on and so forth. So it was called Project Acorn. Yeah, that sounds like a government operation. It does kind of, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a covert CIA operation. Project Acorn. <laughs> but we would have our simulated wrestling matches there because they would leave out styrofoam beams and stuff out there. So we would like beat the crap out of each other with those styrofoam right beams and they would explode. <laughs> We'd have hardcore matches out there. And it was like, I think it was like right before they started doing like the 24-7 concept with the hardcore title too. But I know that that was kind of a huge thing as well. But I say that to say this too, in your experiences already, are you seeing, have you experienced a lot of matches where they've implemented, you know, no disqualification, hardcore matches? Is that a style that you work very much, Slammer? No, I never do. And in Missouri, that we have a commission in Missouri. So right. all those rules, you know, there's no, there's no thumbtacks and blood, nothing, nothing really sure. hardcore or anything like that. So pretty much in Missouri, you're going to get a basic wrestling match. Now, if you go across the river to Illinois, where there is no commission, you'll get your, you'll get your, uh, thumbtacks and tables and more extreme stuff, light bulbs and all that. But I'm not, I'm not really interested in, getting too involved with big why why not i mean it just sounds like it's so healthy for you i mean you know you're a young buck why (laughs) wouldn't you want a couple of push pins in your eyes i don't know i gotta go to work on monday and i don't know what ups would think if i went in there with a big bandage on my head from a light bulb bulb slice in the open so just say black friday (laughs) just say black friday Friday. fair enough right it's like this job man this job's doing it to me box fell on my head now that you say that it makes a lot more sense i i did i knew that missouri did have an athletic commission but i didn't really put two and two together because you know we had recently sponsored an event but it was for grandel wrestling but it was over at pops which is across the river river Mm -hmm. and yes and so there was some hardcore activity over there i think at hardcore matches uh, there's a time and a place for them you know as an adult now i see that when it comes to the psychology of a max or that or an angle Depends on where you're at in the storytelling. But, you know, just to have one for the sake of having one, I'm not sure that it's, you know, it's not something that I'm like necessarily tuning in for. Right. Me too. I, I don't have to watch every match be like that. But if the, you know, the main event, you know, no involves some tables and some chairs or whatever, that's, that's fine. Well, I, I did, I will say I did get superstar. Steve did attack me with a kendo stick a couple of times here at New Breed. So I guess there is, our match isn't going to involve that, but that's, that's a whole nother story. That's my sure. next match at New Breed, December 10th. I will be defending the title against Superstar Steve. 
So if he uses a kendo stick this time, he'll just get disqualified. So yeah, there you go. That probably won't be involved (laughs) (laughs) or he won't win a title. (laughs) And when it comes to, you know, match rules and that sort of thing. So let's say somebody is watching this for the first time. Yeah. Are you, is there a huge consistency with match rules between the various promotions that you're working with right now, whether it's Cape championship wrestling, whether it's new breed wrestling? Well, you know, I think, I think the rules pretty much are the same everywhere down to like a, a 10 count outside the ring. I mean, sometimes you might get somewhere. They'll be like, you know, I think our last new breed, I think they implemented the 22nd rule outside the ring. But as far as that goes, rules, mainly the same everywhere I've been. Well, rules are necessary as part of a pro wrestling match because it helps create those creative guidelines for you to lay out your artistry. Quite frankly, you guys are artists in the ring. You guys are telling a story and that pivots me into my next point, and that is, I know that wrestlers, a sensitive subject always is, you know, when people start using that word fake. While the outcomes might be predetermined, it does not make, you know, you going through a table or you getting hit with a kendo stick feel any better. Or you landing on that mat, it doesn't make that feel any better. You know, these are real bumps that you guys are taking. There's contact sometimes, you know, sometimes there's a potato thrown in there. You know, it's not to say that everybody's out there trying to kill each other, but there's also that train of thought that's wrestling style that's called strong style where they are laying stuff in and you know i you know you guys are in many respects more modern day gladiators it does take a tough person to be able to withstand that very routinely real quick bear for a non-watcher of uh wrestling just to clarify for the audience by bump do you mean cocaine? No, <laughs> okay. not, cocaine. Not, not in this instance. <laughs> okay. But um, if, if we were in the nineties and talking about wrestling, I'd say that'd be a very real possibility, but Taking yeah, real bumps I, constantly <laughs> heart problems no. all over. So bumps to get explicit with it, of course, is anytime that you're, you're hitting something or something's hitting you essentially, but usually it's with relation to you hitting the mat or hitting the ground, things of that ilk, right? Slammer. That's right. Anytime you, if you land on your back, you're taking a bump. Or if you land on your face, you're just taking a face bump. So, <laughs> But there is a technique to doing these things, right? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> so you don't just want to like run around, uh, you know, not trained and, and think that you're going to go out there and have a five-star wrestling classic too. That's correct. So, you know, we definitely, you, there's a reason for those disclaimers. Yeah, that's a good idea to maybe know how to do a few of these things before you do it. Yeah. So it means that you're not a masochist and want all that pain to be inflicted upon you constantly. So I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's understandable. And Slimmer, I also wanted to talk to you about some other stuff that you've been involved with as well. I know that recently, so we're all kind of from the mineral area. I am, um, you live the majority of my life in this area. Brandon as well. We played in the music scene in this area. I know that you're a mineral area native as well. They recently actually had a promotion here in the Farmington area. And it was the, at the Farmington College. Coliseum, uh, which used to be the old, uh, I forget what it was called before. It was like a family dream. Plumber Family Theater. Plumber's Family Theater out on 67. Yeah. Oh, I think I know where you're talking about now. Yeah. On the way to Knoblick. Right by the Knoblick Tower. That's right. Which which also for anybody that's outside of that region, hearing Knoblick is probably really difficult for you to swallow right now. So just know that that is a town. It is a place. And, yeah, it's a place. It's not a euphemism. Nothing, nope. <laughs> yeah. It's just something you grow up with. Get your minds out of the gutter, everybody. So. Yeah. Come on, guys. Come on. This is a clean show. It's not show. us at all. It's very clean. Farmington Coliseum is the name of the venue now. And I know it was a Lucha Libre production that was putting it on a showcase. I think a lot of people, when they saw the advertisements for it, I think originally it was supposed to go down in the summer. Mm-hmm. And... 
I, and then it got canceled slash rescheduled. Yep. I don't know necessarily the reason that that happened, but I think a lot of people initially saw it, saw the price, yeah. were apprehensive, and were thinking that this was a sham of some mm-hmm. sort. But then I know that it did actually happen. It happened. In early October. It did and happen. you were involved in it. I was. So tell us a little bit about that. All I know is uh, the Mexican restaurant over here, Si Senor, I kept getting a message from the guy that owns it asking me to promote this poster and I kept looking at the poster. I'm like, what is this? It just, it was blurry and it didn't make any sense. I'm like Farmington Coliseum. I'm like, what does this mean? You know? So I just kind of brushed it off. Cause I just figured it was just not real. Right. Well, he sent me another poster of it and I noticed one of the wrestlers on it and I messaged the wrestler and I was like, Hey, is this real? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm helping try to get some of these guys together for this. And I was like, it's literally in my, hometown uh i'd love to be on this you know and he really never got back to me and i had seen him at one of the shows he's like did you see the ticket prices for this and i'm like yeah and he's like man that's just a lot and i'm like yeah so i started getting more messages from the uh guy that owns the restaurant down there and i I, so i asked him i said who do i need to talk to to get on this show so he gave me the actual name and number of the promoter from the promotios netza lucha libre that was bringing it through so I messaged him and he's like, yeah, I want you on this, you know, need you to bring somebody to fight. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So I, uh, I got a hold of a guy from Cape wrestling to come up and to come up, have a match, you know? And so this was all looked like it was going to happen. I had a lot of people that were going to come watch me wrestle, but then they were like, Hey, love to come. But you know, $70 is a little, little steep, right. you know? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I understand. And at the time, like psycho clown, blue demon, and a couple other guys were supposed to be there. So, and they actually put a lot of events on at that Farmington Coliseum. They have something going on there like weekly, not wrestling, but just other stuff. So the day of the event, the guy I was wrestling was actually en route from Cape to come up here. And I got, I, I was about a half hour away from going to the Farmington Coliseum for my time to be there. And I had a message from the promoter that said, uh, events canceled. Oh I'm God. like, okay. I'm like, my guy's on his way up here. So I got to get a hold of him. Hey, it's canceled. You know, and he's like, it's okay. It's not a big deal. And it was pretty much at that. And I was like, I messaged him back. I'm like, Hey man, you might want to put this like on Facebook. So people don't like start showing up right within a 10 minutes. He has like, you know, event cancel postponed. So, and this is the first go around of it being scheduled, right? This is the first go around. So I just let it be. It's like, well, it's obviously not going to happen. Then, then I start, uh, getting messages from him. We wrestle October 9th or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Whether it happens or not, it's like, it's not really out of my way. I'm close to there. So I told him, sure. So he's like, send me a picture. I'll put you on the poster. So I actually got, you know, put me on the poster. I'm like, okay, this is cool. But I thought maybe they might drop the prices this go around. Because he said they, they couldn't get the wrestlers in from Mexico or whatever. I don't know. So do, on this one, did they just ask for your firstborn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 yeah. and your mortgage of your house. So <laughs> sell your kid yeah. to us. It's no big deal. I think the price tiers were like fifty five dollars was the cheapest ticket for general admission, and then it was seventy five dollars for VIP. Yeah, and and it was it was like seventy five for VIP, 
55, yeah, 55 or 70, whatever. Yeah. There was no in between. There was nothing less. October 9th came along and I'm just like looking at my phone all day. I'm like, well, they haven't said it's not happening. And then I seen like a post from the promoter. He was at the Farmington Coliseum and he had, uh, oh, I can't think of his name, the, the mini guy that was there. So anyway, they were there talking. I'm like, okay, he's got one of the luchas there and they're talking. I'm like, I think this is really going to happen. So I went there and it really happened. And I mean, we had, it, it, there was an okay turnout. I mean, they weren't hanging from the rafters, but I think if the prices could have been a little bit better, that, that place would have been filled to the max easily. I know myself and some of my wrestling friends were interested in the event, but we just couldn't bring ourselves to pay that amount. And, you know, we would love to support such an event in this area, but I'm sorry, you're just not going to get people at those price points. I mean, it it is such an awesome building too. I mean, it's big. They could put a ton of chairs in there. They had awesome lighting. They had good sound. I mean, it's the perfect place for wrestling. I'm just like, anybody that wants to bring a ring down here and put on a show should contact them and do a show and have prices not be $70. <laughs> yeah. And I think with the Lucha Libre guys and those promotions too, they're having a lot of issues with visas right now. It's not just a wrestling thing. I mean, this is a whole international issue at the and moment. And I will say this, Blue Demon was there. And man, the people that came to see him, man, they were as excited as... If I was to see Hulk Hogan come in somewhere, it was it was crazy. He is perhaps the equivalent of a Hulk Hogan in Mexico for sure. Yeah, it, it was pretty neat to see how excited everybody was to see him. I, I I would imagine, and he's definitely somebody I would have liked to have seen. You know, he was he actually did some WCW stuff back in the day too. Was on WCW television. Uh, Conan, who I'm a huge fan of, I listen to his podcast pretty routinely. He booked a lot of the Lucha Libre talent for WCW and handled those relations with the WCW organization as well. So I want to talk to you too about some upcoming events. What upcoming events do you have going on that you want to tell the folks about our listeners that where they can catch you at? As of right now, my last event of the year is December 10th in Eldon, Missouri for New Breed Wrestling. I will be defending the New Breed television title against superstar steve he's attacked me a couple times all he had to do was ask me for a title match i would have said yeah i don't know why he had to hit me with a stick from behind I'll, literally all he had to do was say <laughs> Can i have a match and i would have said yeah so that's on him so anyway for sure i have to unfortunately work at ups that day so as long as i can get off work early enough to make the three-hour drive to eldon to make it on time i am the last match so I do plan on being there as long as something psycho doesn't happen and our work day get out of hand. So that'd be my last event of the year. And I actually have the new breed schedule for next year, but I can't think of what the first day we won't have our first match. This will be the last match at new breed until March. We won't have another match until March there. I am scheduled uh, for January 14th at South Broadway for MMWA. So that will probably be my first match of the new year. So, and okay. Cape we are, and they're the second two, I'm sorry, second Tuesday, second Saturday of every month up there at Broadway for MMWA Cape championship wrestling. We're, 99% of the time, we're always the last Saturday of the month in Cape. The Wherever we'll be at, you know, we're usually at the AC Brase Arena there in Cape, but we do go other places. Like last night, we were in Delta, which is just outside of Cape. Sometimes, we, you know, we've been in Charleston. There's another building down there in Cape we might be at. So 
The location might vary, but we're usually the last Saturday of the month. And I do know on February 4th, that should be a Saturday or a Sunday. I can't think right off the top of my head. I'll be back at Pro Wrestling Epic over in Alton. So I don't know if that will involve me and Benjamin Trust or what. I just know that I'm scheduled to be there. So we shall see. And there's a there's a chance that it that it can go down, right? Because you guys have some unresolved issues now. We do. He's got one on me, and we got a tag team win together. So it's time for me to get one over on him, brother. Can I can I make a pitch to you about that match? Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, so this is what I uh, this is my suggestion. Have you ever thought about using full bang cans as weapons Wait, I, against I, you that know, man? I hadn't thought about that, but it, but it will be in Illinois, so. Yeah, you get a holster around your waist. I mean, I, I think it's compelling. Yeah. I'd love to see a bang can get <laughs> splattered over some man's head. Any truth to the rumor that you're a part of the bang gang, the, bang- <laughs> the good old fashioned bang gang? <laughs> I just got to know where's where's this going for you, Slammer? What what are some goals that you have for the next year? Oh gosh, well it'd be I I will say I've got championships on my mind. I want to be the champion everywhere I'm at. So why not? be lying if I said I didn't, didn't want that to happen. I want to wrestle as many matches I, as I can. I think I'll have a pretty full schedule like I did this year. Yeah, I just want to I just want to wrestle. I want to have fun. I want to meet everybody and just I I just love to be involved. I, it's cool going everywhere and so I guess that's the best answer I can have. I just want to do as much as I can. Well, I I know that I kind of like I want to bring a highlight to your attitude though, too. And and you mentioned this earlier is the sense that, well, maybe I'll get a chance or maybe I'll get a chance or maybe I'll get a chance. I think like in many respects that you folks that could be watching today, which is a huge piece of what this show is, why we do this show is to encourage people to chase their dreams. And, you know, you just having that hope and then finally getting your chance and kind of things have taken off since 2017, I guess, chronologically for you and getting your opportunities, you know, it's it's never too nope. late to chase your dreams. I think for sure, and I, I'm sure you could speak to that even a little bit oh, more. Oh, yeah, one one hundred percent. I I tell ne- never never give up. No matter how old you are or young you are, if this if this is what you want to do or whatever you want to do in life, just just go for it. Even if you're busy, I'm a busy person. I got a lot going on in my life, but I want all I've ever wanted to do is be a wrestler, and I'm doing everything that that I can to keep this dream alive and keep chasing it so even if it means punching a baby in the face even if you have to punch a baby in the face <laughs> do what you have to do hey, you gotta punch a baby in the face sometimes <laughs> i wanted to bring a, a highlight to another really cool thing i think that you got an opportunity to that a lot of people don't especially in the wrestling business and that is i know this might be a difficult thing but i know that your father had recently passed away yeah and somebody gave you the honor of carrying out i believe it was a veterans championship belt yeah, yeah. Uh, for a show shortly thereafter I thought that was a really cool opportunity. I've wrestled at Illinois Elite, Illinois Elite uh, Wrestling over in, uh, they're around the Alton area too, Alton Grafton area. Douglas O'Shea and Alan Williams run that. And I, I had one match there and they had me come back for another one. And the, the last match I had was literally on the day of my dad's funeral. And I just, I had to get away that night. I just, needed to do something and when i got there alan said hey i got something i want to show you and they just have a belt that was made it has all the armed forces logos on the belt and he said if you'd like he goes would you like to come out after we do the national anthem and you know just talk about your dad for a minute i'm like yeah my 
my dad's awesome. I would love to do this. You know, we just had a big military send off for him, you know, that day. And it was like really cool to be able to just go out there and say a few words. Cause it's been, that it was hard that day. It's been, it's been a pretty rough go just in general. I still can't wrap my head around that this has happened, but yeah, what an honor for them that I appreciate them so much for letting me do that. Yeah, it meant a whole lot to me. It was really cool. On a serious note, Slammer, you got friends here now, so we've all, me and Barrett have been through it. Uh, Josh, yeah. who's on, normally on the podcast, have been through it. So, yeah, man, it's it's part of it. It's yeah. an unfortunate part of life. And, yeah, we've all lost our fathers probably much sooner than what they should have, no. you know, that they had plenty of quality years left. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't prepared for it, never wanted to happen. And- My dad happened to punch one baby too many, and uh, <laughs> his his hand exploded, and yeah, he just bled out right there. Cause of death officially from the coroner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was explosive baby syndrome. That's why Brandon wants to talk about babies so much in this episode. Yeah, it's a, it's a soft spot in my in my heart. And there's a soft spot on their skull as well, so people be aware That's of that. right. That's yeah, right. It, it sure is. Is. And sometimes it's explosive. It's like a detonation button. Yeah, it's, you gotta be careful with those babies. Well, we talked about some of the upcoming events. I know that people can also find you basically across all of social media. Is that right, Slammer? You've got a TikTok, Instagram. Find me everywhere, yeah. Facebook, uh, I am Chris Slammer on Facebook. I have a Slammer fan page as well. I think it's just Slammer. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at Max Jim, M A C S G Y M. Instagram, Chris underscore Slammer, all lowercase letters. I'm at Slammer Mania on TikTok. I think I'm at Max Jim on uh, Snapchat. I try to Chris McFarland or Chris Slammer on uh, YouTube. So I I think that covers all my social medias and ProWrestlingTees.com, get a t-shirt. All right. And MouthpieceStudios.com, he has all my stuff on his page. You get t-shirts, fanny packs, bandanas, the whole bit. Or visit me at my merch table at an event, get a t-shirt, a I'll tell you what, let me show you. Slammer buddy. Get yourself, get oh. yourself a slam buddy, brother. There you go. You can't beat that. An homage to the old wrestling buddies. And if you're a wrestler, you ought to get a hold of Slam Buddies and get your own made. It's these things rule and people are people are loving them. Is that one of your hot ticket items at the merch table? That's my hot ticket item right now. So uh t-shirts, bandanas, slam buddies, autographed pictures. I got the little rubber bracelets, ball cards, sunglasses. I do it all, brother. That's awesome, man. Nice. Yep. You got to be out there and you got to have, you know, the take homes, the leave behinds. It's marketing 101. Yep. Absolutely. And before, before I get you off your slammer, you've been so gracious with your time. I wanted to ask you about your collection because I've noticed that you're quite the avid collector as well. And obviously anybody on the call seeing us on video today, you got quite the collection behind you. I do. How long have you been collecting? Since, uh, since I was a kid, man, we got, I don't know how, how good you can see everything. Got my Hasbro's first series, second series. That's the whole Bendem series. Remember the Bendem? Wow. That's yep. that's all. I think there was one more series they made with like Rikishi. I think. I don't know that 100% for sure. If there is one more series, that's the series I don't have. But I got all the retro Mattels that they've been coming out with for like the last five or six years. The only one I'm missing is Ric Flair. For some reason, I cannot find the Ric Flair. So, yeah, just a little, little bit of everything. This is the weight belt hulk hogan gave me that's awesome was there a a full-on man in your room with you 
sir? There was a cutout. Oh, was it a cutout? Yeah. I didn't know if it was a. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warrior. Yeah, warrior. <laughs> so that's just that stuff. I've got magazines. I got magazines in boxes. I got T-shirts in the closet in another room. So, what magazines were you a big collector of? PWI Observer. Mainly WWF magazine. I think I got every every ep- episode, every issue from June. What was when was WrestleMania five? It was eighty eight. So. So June 1988, pretty. I I think I think I'm missing like three or four copies of WWF magazine from 80 June 88 until they quit making it, and then I've got more when they started making it again until they finally stopped again. And I got a bajillion Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Wrestling World, every every magazine you can think of that used to be on the shelves wrestling eye all those things i've got a a million of those just in boxes well hopefully we'll be seeing you in that pwi top 500 next year what do you say i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be in it i you you there you go we put that out there in the universe right now so i will be in the top 500 on the pro wrestling illustrated top 500 next year you heard it here first brother yep make it happen (laughs) another ati podcast exclusive folks so we want to thank Slammer for his time today. You've been an awesome guest, sir, and appreciate your time. And we look forward to seeing what you guys have in the works. Appreciate All you right. guys having me on here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hope 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 everybody enjoys it, and you get a bajillion views. Oh, screw on them, it. man. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Slammer for coming on the show today. Very awesome guest. It was really cool to hear from Slammer and the reason that he's doing this and kind of what some of his goals are. And let's get Slammer on the PWI 500. Yeah, get him on there, man. Hey, <laughs> hey, and anybody wants to uh, do promotion for Bang Gang Slammer, get out there. Freaking take care of business, boy. He's a part of the Bang Gang, everybody. So don't let, don't forget it. Hashtag Bang Gate Slammer out there. Let's make a social media movement. Put him in the PWI 500. Unforgettable. Watch, watch out what you'll find if you Google that, though. I can't, I can't promise anything. We didn't advocate anybody Googling it. We just, no, no, no. You know, well, okay. Hashtag campaign. I did. That's the reason why I would. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did. So, Slammer, as you know, here on the ATI podcast, we like to focus and feature people either from the St. Louis area, kind of our old stomping grounds, as well as the mineral area. So it's nice to see somebody doing something, getting their name out there. And it's never too late to chase your dreams, too. I think that's a big point that kind of came out of that conversation today you know slammer is a gentleman who's a little older than brandon and i and he's just started his professional wrestling career here on a more official basis here in the last five years or so uh, that you'll hear in our conversation five to six years so it's really cool to hear people chasing their dreams and, and never giving up hope on those dreams and aspirations so right and i thought he was i thought he was 21 so that's good to know on my, my <laughs> yeah he was really questioning your life choices man actually you really should more so now you should take care of yourself brandon right I, apparently i don't have big enough arms i yeah, without question. He told me off air that he he was like, "You are small and pathetic. Yeah, you need to move on with your life." And I, I hate to tell you this, but this was really an intervention for you to start taking care of yourself, Brandon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, anywho, thank you, Slammer, for this week. Next week, 
We're going to have Maxine 13, the artist that we've hyped up here on the show. Uh, Maxine is a wonderful artist. I enjoy her artwork, particularly myself. She does commission work, custom prints. She engages in St. Louis art shows. She's active and has a social media presence. I personally follow her on Instagram, notice a lot of her stuff, but I know she's on Facebook as well. Gets a lot of activity there. You can check out her work. You've probably seen her work and not realized it, especially if you're a beer drinker and a fan of Forehands like me. She did the pinup girl cans, as we mentioned here on the show previously. And uh, she's actually, you might've seen her work if you're a pro wrestling fan. So she's done some portraits of pro wrestlers, Eddie Kingston, Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, mostly AEW folks, but uh, they've been very popular. And uh, I know she sold prints of those. She has a store at which she sells her prints too. We'll get into that with her next week and talk about where you can find her. And I know she has some upcoming events, art shows, and things of that ilk you can catch her at. So Maxine 13 is going to be our episode, and we'll be recording that live on December 8th, my little brother's birthday. So get together, give him a birthday present, and watch our show. Don't say happy birthday to him. Don't wish no. him a happy birthday. No. If you want to really wish him a happy birthday, just watch the show on December 8th. Yep. And so we'll have some news out there. And not think about him. Don't think about him. No, don't think about my little brother at all. No, no, no. What's up? Only me. All right. Just okay. just bear it. Yeah, and I just fully me. support this. I got to thank my co-host this week, Mr. Brandon Seward. Always a pleasure. And uh, always nobbing on nards. Mm, give me them narbs. <laughs> give me those sweet, sweet narbs. Of course, you can catch Brandon at Ozaperius Emporium, where he's doing his awesome diorama work and his custom figs and all that fun stuff. And of course, you can catch him on Nod Nard's Closet as well. And we'll be hoping to be announcing our episode two of that here coming up very soon. I've got some good material for us to cover. Last time we covered kind of the infamously bad. And on this episode, I think we're going to do something what I consider to be good. And I'm hoping to set the hooks into you, Brandon, to be really become a pro wrestling fan. I've always been into hooks. So yeah. any any bit of hook that you can shove directly in or around me, yeah, I am good with it. Preferably like the Hellraiser Jesus wept. I was hoping Captain Hook, like Dustin Hoffman style, because I'm pretty <laughs> partial to that that yeah. hook myself. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I want. Just a <laughs> Captain Hook. I'm in full fledged going at it. Uh, I'm I'm not backing away. Uh, we're gonna do something different every time. Once I get go back home and just ready to get some more out there for this week. I am Barrett at Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter, and I told you where you can catch Brandon already. At Oz Imperious Emporium on Instagram. We tag the hell out of them all the time. Kiss me, girl. For this week, folks, we're out of time. Until next time, good night and good luck. Bye. Stay safe out there. And play with each other's balls. 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 This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports nothing is out of bounds you can also tune in to learn about rising artists small businesses whether it's music graphic design filmmaking or even a brick and mortar mom and pop shop we will be spotlighting folks in their endeavors listen to us on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon music anchor or anywhere you enjoy your podcast just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there. Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on 
Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI podcast 22 on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI on Instagram at the ATI podcast on TikTok at ATI podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI podcast questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there.